Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are down to the final four teams of football season. Kansas City and Cincinnati rematch last year's AFC Championship. San Francisco is back to avenge their loss against the up-and-coming Eagles. The stage is set, and BetOnline has you covered with all of the props, odds, promos, and parlays for championship weekend. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous January 27th. It's a Friday, the Friday before AFC and NFC Conference Championship Week. And so we bring on, for the first time to the program, one Aaron Schatz. Aaron Schatz created footballoutsiders.com. Aaron Schatz invented the DVOA statistic, and for 20 years, he has been writing incredibly informative pieces about football and data and averages and playing to the averages and all sorts of interesting stuff. He also is a contributor for ESPN. Aaron has a cool Twitter account where you can get some deep nerd analysis. Uh, It's linked in the description of this episode. And I say nerd in the most complimentary way possible. As a fellow football nerd, I love, love doing this football nerd conversation where we're going to talk about linebacking cores and Kansas City playing to averages and eight-man coverages. Like I said, I know X's and O's football enough to be more informed than 90 to 95% of football fans. This is the 99th percentile right here. He's got data, he's got analysis, and we are going to break down Kansas City versus Cincinnati. We're going to break down San Francisco, Philadelphia. To do that, we're going to go back to Dallas and, and San Francisco to talk about QB um, or running back spies with Micah Parsons and scheming Debo Samuel out of the offense and how the Eagles personnel matches up. We're going to have all of these conversations and more here today with Aaron Schatz. So without further ado, here is Aaron Schatz joining us to preview the biggest weekend of the NFL season. All right. So joining us for the first time here on the Take It Easy podcast, we have the creator of DVOA, one of the leaders of Football Outsiders. If he's not the king of advanced nerd stats, he's part of the royal court. His name is Aaron Schatz. You can follow him on Twitter at F-O underscore A-Shots. 
Uh, he's also, for my personal record book, one of the best segments ever on the Levitard show, uh, where he comes on and answers random questions like, is Kirk Cousins good set to uh, some music? So, Aaron, I'm really excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm good. I missed the Levitard show. I, I haven't been on since they left ESPN. I've got to find out who the producers are over there. I'm going to try to track them down when I'm in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. That's a good idea. I hope they I hope they send someone because last year they didn't. But hopefully they'll send someone to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I hope uh, so. Well, Aaron, uh, it is conference championship week. I'm super excited. You can see I'm wearing my Patrick Mahomes jersey. I'm very ready to go. So how's your ankle? Uh, I wish I could give him my ankle. I said this back in 2019. I I would fly to Denver and give him my my knee to be surgically repaired so that he could be okay. But fortunately, he played through that and they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. But uh, hopefully, hopefully his ankle turns out okay. It's a high ankle sprain, so he'll be all right. Uh, right? You're, well, you're... I have no idea, honestly. I'm not <laughs> an injury expert and I don't know how bad his injury is. And I don't think... Any of us on the outside know how bad his injury is. So it, how it changes how the Bengals play him, it's an interesting question. So you were watching the Week 13 game, and you were kind of putting together a thread of your observations. And for my money, that was the most exciting matchup of the season because it felt like both teams were... I mean, the game was back and forth, and they were controlling time of possession, and then the game was ultimately decided by the Kelsey fumble. For my money, it was the most entertaining matchup. What did you see when you were watching the Week 13 game between Kansas City and Cincinnati? Oh, yeah. it was. I mean, it was a great game. You, first of all, you see how much in a close game like that, you know, certain plays really change the game. Uh, a drop by Tyler Boyd on what would have been a short touchdown. Uh, the fumble by Kelsey, where his shin was very close to hitting the ground, uh, which would have made it a down by contact. Uh, a missed 55-yard field goal by Harrison Butker. Like, it's, it really is a game of inches and, in some cases, milliseconds. So, as you were going through the, the game, you mentioned Orlando Brown and the struggles that he had. Is that something that you're paying attention to going into this weekend? Yeah, hasn't he? The last couple of weeks, he's had some problems. And certainly going into this game, you know, I, I mean, I would look because, I mean, we don't know how well Mahomes will be able to escape pressure. That's the thing about the ankle is we don't know. First of all, does it now make sense to blitz Mahomes, right? Historically, it's always been never, ever, ever blitz Patrick Mahomes. Don't do it. He will kill you. But if he's not mobile, will he kill you, right? Like, so that's one question. And the other is, even when Cincinnati just sends four guys or three guys, you know, can the tackles hold up? They're so good in the interior offensive line, but can the tackles hold up is the question. How would you describe the Kansas City defense at this point? Because if you count Leo Chanel, they have five players who are either rookies or playing in their second year, and yet they're actually not as bad as some of the past four Kansas City defenses. Yeah, I mean, their defense is kind of average. Especially the run, they're better than past Kansas City defenses. Some of that, I think, is like Bolton and Gay maturing a little bit. Um, but the the cornerbacks, the rookie, you know, McDuffie's been very good. Uh, his charting numbers are excellent. Uh, Watson, not as good. And um, Williams, not as good as that. So they don't even play Williams anymore at this point. Watson is the third corner. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, their defense has been better than I think people people would have expected going into the season. And it's been better in the second half of the season than it was in the first. 
especially in the secondary, it's gotten better with, you know, for example, McDuffie getting healthy or Watson getting more snaps. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And that's kind of the way I thought about it because it was like, they're inexperienced, but are they're young, but young, not in the good way, young in like the, oh, that's a mistake where a good team can take advantage of it. So I'm really interested to see how the Bengals match up on that end. How do you feel about Cincinnati going into this game? Obviously, you know, health permitting on the Kansas City side. But what are you looking at when you look at the game tape for Cincinnati? Is someone looking I mean, the at Bengals it a are bit? great. The Bengals are a great team. I think the Bengals defense is a little overrated. Because I think people talk about them as if they're like a top four or top five defense. And they're not. What's interesting about the Cincinnati defense is that they have this habit of playing their best against the best quarterbacks and then letting down against guys like Jacoby Brissett. So I never know what that means going forward, right? Like, does that trend hold up going forward or are we better to judge a defense by how it plays all the time? If you judge a defense by how it plays all the time, the Bengals are not a top five defense. They're like the 10th or 11th best defense in the league. But certainly, Anna Rumo has a really good history of scheming well against specifically the top quarterbacks. You would probably know better than me, but wasn't the highest the Bengals got in DVOA this year around like five or six? I'm trying to remember. I don't have it off the top of my head. Like how far in in overall or in defense? Uh, In defense. In defense, I don't have over on the top of my head. In overall, they finished fifth. Oh, they did finish fifth. Okay, that's about yeah, o- where I th- overall offense, defense, and special teams. They finished fifth, right? There were six teams this year that were better than everyone mm-hmm. else. Although Dallas faded in the second half, so it was kind of five and a half teams that were better than everyone else. Isn't that and normally Cincinnati- the average though? Like, sorry, what? Isn't that normally the average is like five to six? No, but it's usually not like six teams and then a gap and then everyone else. Interesting. This year, it was really like, it wasn't like a gradual, like teams gradually go from really good to really bad. This year, it was really like six teams really set themselves apart. Seven when Lamar Jackson was healthy, six otherwise, and then everybody else was far below them. That is a really interesting trend, which of course it makes sense. Like <laughs> the, my joke about the NFC, um, the, the last two playoff spots were like they had to send someone and then the Giants ended up winning a playoff game. But it makes yeah. sense I, hearing you say that because it checks out when you think of Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, San Francisco, Philadelphia and Dallas. Those were the teams that we kind of all knew would be there at the end and they did make it to the end. Basically, yeah, the last one, because of the way they scheduled the divisional round, you ended up with those six as the last six. Yes, mm-hmm. And that was probably a good representation of the season, right? Well, those were the best six teams. So, <laughs> I mean, the best representation of the um, the best representation of the of the season is um, to randomly have some bad team make the final eight <laughs> because <laughs> in, in football, that's normally what happens. But we did have that. It's just those teams played Saturday. Yeah, that happened, um, what was it, in the year before when we had the crazy divisional weekend where it was like, oh, why are the Titans here? They are not <laughs> not only there, but also got a buy through the first round of the playoffs. Or, you know, the Bengals, although the Bengals look better now, they were not a top They were not in 2021. Year. The Bengals were nowhere near as good as they are this year. No, they were they were middle of the pack in defense. They were middle of the pack in DVOA, and they happened to 
make that run to the Super Bowl. But like you said, that's maybe that's more representative of the NFL because of small sample sizes. Yep. <laughs> so on the flip side, um, the San Francisco Philadelphia game, you mentioned something that I'm excited about, which is San Francisco run defense, Philadelphia rush offense. What were you mentioning there? Yeah, their run defense, San Francisco's run defense was number two this year. Philadelphia's run offense was number one this year, and even better if you take out the two games that were started by Gardner Minshew. So that's that's a heck of a strength-on-strength battle between those two units. Do you think that the Eagles will run more option going into the game or something different? I think they'll run plenty of it because that's what they do. I mean, they're going to do their thing. Um the, the, the problem is San Francisco's linebackers are so good. Uh, the biggest weakness of the San Francisco defense is that they have two big weaknesses. One is they're not good in short yardage. Like even though those linebackers are really good and even though their defensive line is really good, they're not good in short yardage. The other is deep passes, right? And they, at some point, Hertz is going to get Devontae Smith for 50 yards. Probably over Domador Lenoir. I don't remember exactly how to uh, Lenore. his name, but he's he's the the uh, he's the weakness of the secondary. Um, they are weak to deep passes if you can keep your quarterback upright long enough to throw one. So when you say that they struggle in the short yardage, is that kind of like when the Cowboys just started throwing um, screens to CD Lamb and having CD Lamb run the end around plays? Is that kind of like taking just anything advantage of second short and short? I'm just talking about for the whole season. Just anything second and two, second and one, third and two, third and one. They're not. They're not good in those situations. Interesting. So that was something that perhaps I mean, against teams most kind of recognize teams, that right against most teams. It's it's um it's much easier to convert third and one than it is third and ten. Against the 49ers, it's really, really much easier to convert third and one than it is third and ten. That's really interesting because I noticed the flip side of that with Kansas City, where on offense it's better for them to convert third and seven than it is to convert third and one. Okay, if you not not overall, but if you compare them to yeah, like average, right? DVOA compares to what an average team does in that situation, right? Everybody would rather have third and one than third and eight. <laughs> but if you're like, if you compared Kansas City to the league average, which are they better at? The answer is third and eight. Thank you for adding that qualifier in there. I forgot to mention like, yes, you would want to have third and one, but Kansas Every, City ranks- Everybody would rather have third and one, but yeah, if you like, if you took an average team and compared them to Kansas City, average team would be much better at converting third and one, and much, much, much worse at converting like third and ten. So San Francisco kind of operates in the same sphere on defense, where it, you know they would they struggle to to stop third and one comparatively to how they right. would convert a third and mid, uh, third and you know seven. But they're eight excellent or third against and third and mid, and thir- yeah, first downs, second downs, third and mid, third and long. They're excellent. Yeah. So on the flip side of this, what does 49ers offense versus Eagles defense look like in your mind? I mean, the funny thing is the 49ers offense has been the best offense in the league over the last few weeks, right? So, um, you know, uh, they look very good despite the fact of having Brock Purdy as the quarterback. Um, uh, I will say that the Eagles defense allows a below average yards after the catch. Um, it's interesting uh, because that's, you know, San Francisco gets so many yards after the catch. 
Mm-hmm. Eagles defense allows fewer yards after the catch to running backs than any other defense. So it'll be interesting, like, will McCaffrey be able to, like, rack up the yards after the catch, or will the Eagles be able to stop him? Overall, the Eagles are not good against running back passes. And this is when the running back is lined up in the traditional running back position. This doesn't count, like, when they line McCaffrey up at receiver? No, I'm I'm just thinking about running backs in general, but most running backs are in the traditional running back position. Mostly, I'm talking about traditional running back positions. Okay, that see that does make sense. It's just when I think of San Francisco, my mind goes to oh, so what if they lined up Debo Samuel at the running back right. position well, and tried similar yeah. things? So the other the other thing I'd say is, um, that you know the Eagles have had trouble with the running game this season, but their run defense has been much better since Natama Kongsu and Linval Joseph showed up in the middle of the year. So they're running their their run defense is kind of average now. It was bad for a long time. Now it's more average, but of course the 49ers running game has been very good since McCaffrey showed up. So I mean I think the 49ers will be able to run on the Eagles, but you know, listen, Purdy had not faced a really, really tough pass rush until last week, and we saw that there were definitely problems. And this is another really, really tough pass rush. Well, you mentioned the Eagles pass rush, and I was going to ask you about Hassan Reddick. Um, what happened there with Hassan Reddick, where he goes from being washed out with the Cardinals to a year with the Panthers to now making all pro with the Eagles? They played him an inside linebacker. The Cardinals wanted to turn him into an off-ball inside linebacker, and it didn't work. And then when you put him at outside linebacker, he when turns into an all-pro. you put him at edge rusher, he kicks ass, yes. <laughs> that's kind of incredible to think the about. The last and... year he was with the Cardinals was when they put him back at edge rusher. He was awesome, and then he went to Carolina, and he was awesome, and then he went to Philadelphia, and he was even better. So on the flip side going into this game, you expect him to be rushing on the Trent Williams side or the Mike McGlinchey side for this game? I don't know. I haven't watched enough Eagles to know the answer to that question. Ooh, interesting. I finally asked the question that stumped the man who is a football nerd and a football genius. I feel feel kind of good. About I don't that. know which side he comes from usually. But the thing about the Eagles is because they have a standard four and then they have Reddick and they, they rush five a lot or they'll drop one guy a lot. Um, they often will end up with a defensive end lined up on an interior offensive lineman rather than an exterior offensive lineman because Reddick is lined up on the on the tackle. Interesting. And you expect that they'll be trying to rush with four and five consistently against uh, Purdy on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me of how much they blitz compared to um, the league average. The, the average. I, I, I will say that Purdy... Um, uh, sorry, that the Eagles' defense, when they send five pass rushers, only allows 4.4 yards per play, which is pretty excellent. And that's, I mean, I'll take your word for it because I wouldn't know the averages off the 5. top of my 4, head. They average 5.4 without a blitz. So 4.4 is pretty awesome. That's a, I mean, I know it's a yard, but that's a pretty significant difference when you think about it over a 16, 17-game season. Yeah. So Philadelphia on that side will probably bring pressure against Purdy. That might push San Francisco to go more to the running game. Uh, for all the for all the X's and O's analysis that I've been trying to do around this, is it just as simple as like if Brock Purdy has zero turnovers, they will probably be okay? It's always that simple. <laughs> the question is how you get to that. 
right? It's always the funny thing about like they say, oh, you know, the team that wins the turnover margin usually wins the game. Sure, in the same way that the team with more points usually wins the game. But the question <laughs> is, how do you get to that point? Like, how do you get there? And for the 49ers, that might be taking away his throwing privileges like they do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I mean, they'll they'll still want to throw. But look, here's the thing, right? Two weeks ago, against Seattle, the receivers were so absurdly wide open. Mm-hmm. Last week against Dallas, they were not. They were not wide open all the time. And he made a couple of good throws into smaller holes. So what happens with Philadelphia, right? Like how wide open are the receivers against Philadelphia? We'll have to see. I noticed that Dallas got good oh, corners. I mean, they've got Slay and they've got Bradbury. They've got good cornerbacks and a good linebacking core that should help soften and the right. a little bit. Really? Okay. I, I guess I'm giving the Eagles defense it's a little. It's not Drake Greenlaw and Fred. They're not special. <laughs> well, the 49ers just fart out Pro Bowlers every year, so I understand that part of it. The Eagles. Um, or I'm sorry, the Cowboys, when they were playing San Francisco, what I was going to before is that I saw they were playing spy with Micah Parsons on Christian McCaffrey a good bit, and it was relatively effective. I mean, McCaffrey had the one big play that Greg Olson pointed out on the broadcast, but yeah, for I don't the know who you would good. do that with from the Eagles. I don't know who, who would be the Eagle defender who'd be the best one to do that with. And that was the thing I was thinking is like they don't really have the personnel to pull that off, but uh, maybe. I'm not exactly sure how they would go about that because not only did it end up taking away McCaffrey, I think it ended up, like you said, because there wasn't a whole lot of open space. Brandon Ayuk was basically a non-factor in the offense as well against Dallas. Yeah, the Dallas defense played a really good game against San Francisco. And the Philadelphia defense pass against the pass was just as good as the Dallas defense this year. Against the run, though, they were not. That'll be interesting to watch. His name is Aaron Schatz. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow Football Outsiders. You can join their Discord. Uh, You can also vote on fun awards. I saw that that was coming out. Yeah, next week we'll be putting up up our Reader Awards next week. This is the 20th annual Football Outsiders Reader Awards. So not just voting for things like MVP and Rookie of the Year, but like best and worst commercial during the season. Most improved player and most overrated player and most underrated player. You did an awesome list with the with the worst ad of the year because it's like your most recent tweet right now. And um, obviously everyone was just hitting you with Burger King Whopper commercial, Burger King Whopper commercial. But I have pulled... a feeling that Burger King's Whopper commercial will win worst of the year, yes. I think you're it, probably right, but you, you pulled... You you pulled some deep ones that I remembered, like the uh, the SoFi Justin Herbert commercial where he just has no personality at all. None. Zippo. <laughs> but that's Justin Herbert. They tried to build a commercial around Justin Herbert, and he had no personality. Yeah, but like the Little Caesars built a commercial around Matthew Stafford, and Stafford's got personality. But it, they just had him say pizza, pizza, and all of a sudden it was perfect. It's still more personality than Herbert had. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably fair. If they could get Herbert to say pizza pizza, I think they might be a little better. Yeah, I can't believe the the lack of personality Herbert has. Mina Kimes did a great story on that, but you pulled some good ones. The Jennifer Coolidge Old Navy commercial. The I thought Mahomes bath bomb was better, but I'm a little partial to that one because um, you know I'm wearing a Mahomes jersey. But yeah, well I, the um, the Andy Reid mustaches one is nominated for best commercials. Oh, the, yeah, that's that's Andy Reid being in a, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is perfect. And then they played it so much that I'm just like, it's normal now. But the first time I saw it, I was just like, excellent, 
no notes. Great mm-hmm. job working that in there. Anyways, <laughs> Aaron has a bunch of great awards that you can check out. Uh, and of course, he does really good. Fo- he does really good nerdy football analysis. And I love nerdy football analysis. So uh, it's really cool to talk to you. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for having me on the show, man.